the communion meditation is from Genesis 22, and the text I'll uh, discuss is 11 to 14, but I'll actually read uh, verses 9 through 14. So this is Genesis 22, verses 9 through 14. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there, behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. One workday a long time ago over at uh, Trinity, we were there with a bunch of the men, and, and uh, it was actually quite a good turnout. I mean, for, for a workday at church, we probably had uh, at least 14, 15 guys. And I can remember one of the members, Jim Bear, uh, kidding Gil Coppert, if anybody remembers Gil. But Gil had been working on the water fountain since we'd gotten there, and it was four hours later, and he was still working on the water fountain. And Jim told him, you really know how to milk a job, Gil. And sometimes when I'm going back to Genesis 22 to bring the communion meditation and show you that we've been in this for like five or six weeks, I think to myself, I really know how to milk a text. <laughs> but uh, this is important. It's very important that we focus on this text and draw out all of the illustrations of Christ. It's just a beautiful picture of what Jesus has done. So far, we've gone through verses uh, 1 through 10, and it began with... God testing Abraham, and it is now still with us testing Abraham. Uh, Abraham did not quarrel when he was told to go sacrifice Isaac on this faraway place. Uh, and then here on the walk, once he's left the men behind, uh, he set, turns to his father and says, where's the lamb? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide the lamb. So Abraham now has his hand raised about to slay Isaac, his son, when he hears from heaven this phrase, Abraham, Abraham. So, I mean, could these words be ever more uh, timely than they are? He's about to kill Isaac. He's going to go through with it. And uh, we are accustomed to this type of thing. Movies all do this. They all have this heroic escape in the last few minutes. A movie pretty much rises to this climax where the, the enemy is defeated and then you have the credits. And yet, I think because of this, because we are so inured to this, that it's hard for us to really truly absorb the fact that this is real. This isn't added for dramatic effect. Abraham was about to kill his son. He was seconds away from plunging that knife into Isaac, and he was going to do it. You have no doubt about that. So the angel of the Lord calls out, Abraham, Abraham, do not. Now, I want to focus on those words, do not. Now, we know from the text that this is the angel of the Lord. This is God himself. This is a theophany. And he speaks with the authority 
of being God, of exercising God's authority. And he says, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to harm him. This is Abraham's son, right? This is Isaac, Abraham's son. And so who has the ultimate authority here? Is it Abraham, the father of Isaac? No, it's not, it's God. And so see, all authority we exercise over our children is God's authority. We have no authority of our own. We think, well, we have, you know, what's the phrase? I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it, you know. Uh, no, no, you can't. You didn't bring them in, you didn't, you can't take them out. Uh, God is the one who brings our children into this world. We just have the privilege of overseeing the process, participating in it to a degree. So it is God's will that rules the earth in family, family government, in civil government, in church government. We elders, we, are, we have no authority. All we have is God's authority. We exercise it at his pleasure. We as parents exercise God's authority at his pleasure. And those in civil authority exercise their authority at God's pleasure. None of us truly have authority in and of ourselves. It is all from God. And God gave it and God can easily take it away. So our duty is to conform to God's word in exercising the authority that he's given. So the question is, do we? And the question isn't, do we? Because none of us do. But the question is, really, how well can we? And are we open to God's direction in this? Now here, here, Abraham loved what this angel of the Lord was telling him, right? Do not. But three days earlier, he probably hadn't liked it so much. But yet he'd done it then too. He'd obeyed then. And, he'd and he will obey now. It's all about obedience. It's not about whether we like doing what we are being told to do or whether we dislike it. It's not about us. It's about God, his authority, acting in our world, in our lives. So now we have this beautiful picture. Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. What a coincidence. So God has taken Isaac away, and yet he's going to put that wooden altar to use. He's going to put this pyre to use. So Abraham immediately sees what God has intended. He goes, gets the ram, he sacrifices it to God. And now Isaac is no longer on that woodpile. He's standing here by Abraham's side thinking, whew. But, th but that's the picture we have here. It is of God saving Isaac from that wooden pyre. He pulls him off at the last second. And yet, when it happened with Jesus, he didn't get pulled off. Jesus the night before said, if it be your will, please, please let this cup pass from me. And we have to wonder whether Isaac did not plead with his father as he's on this altar. Are you sure, Father, this is what God wants you to do? I mean, who of us wouldn't be thinking that? Who of us wouldn't say that? Isaac might have been young, but he was old enough to speak, and he's probably trying to make sure that his father knows what he's doing. Perhaps they had senility back then. Perhaps they had Alzheimer's back then. I want to know that my father is doing the right thing for the right reason. And yet, with Jesus in the garden, he asked the question, 
And no, the answer is no, you're not going to be spared this. You're going to suffer this. And yet he suffers it for our sake. And this story of Abraham, I don't believe Abraham really understood what was happening here. He didn't see clearly like we see clearly looking back. He couldn't see into the future and see what was going to happen with God becoming a man and entering into history. But now we can. We can see clearly what God was portraying in Isaac, both being commanded to be sacrificed and yet being spared. Because God believes in human sacrifice, but it must be efficacious. Isaac's death would not have been efficacious. And so only Christ could die for us. The Lord's Supper is a meal. It is a meal consisting of the body and blood of Christ. The Old Testament saints would eat part of the sacrifice, and that's why we do this today. We still do it today for the same reason. We are saved by this food. We are nourished by this food. And yes, it's spiritual, and it does uh, benefit us spiritually. And yet it is food. It is food for our souls. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, this meal, uh, this picture of what Isaac uh, was there for and how his death would not have availed what Christ's death availed. We thank you, Lord, for this meal, and we pray that you would make us to be obedient like Abraham, amazing obedience in the face of just incredible uh, anguish. Lord, we disobey over much, much more trivial things. So we pray, Father, please make us your faithful children. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us in our walk that we might better please you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.